This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome to this edition of the NACOcast. My name is Sean Rice. I play second clarinet with the National Arts Center Orchestra. You may have heard me talk to you about our Wolfgang series. And uh, today, we're very happy to have Nadia Sirota joining us in the studio. Hi. So Nadia has been here this week playing Nico Muli's latest viola concerto, written for Nadia. And um, if you haven't heard it, you missed out because it's an amazing work. Um, incredibly colorful, incredibly rhythmic. And of course, Nadia is a fabulous soloist and a monster of a violist. So, Nadia, you actually know Nico Muli very well. You're very good friends, right? Yes. Can you yeah. tell us a bit about him? Yeah. Nico and I um, met at Juilliard, actually, where I met you yeah. as well. <laughs> um, Nico was a sort of undergrad at um, Columbia and Juilliard at the same time, mm-hmm. and then a master's student at Juilliard a little bit later. Um, and we had a lot of friends in common. And um, they were like, you guys probably will like each other. You both like coffee and dumplings and, <laughs> and um, you know, choral music. So we, we became sort of fast social friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the first time that I ever worked with him, I had a recital program that was really, really short. Um, and I knew that he was a really fast composer. So I was like, And you hey. needed a piece. And I needed a piece. <laughs> so he wrote me a piece pretty quickly. He used to just be so insanely prolific he still is pretty prolific Mm -hmm. but especially when he was younger he would just write as fast i mean he's one of the hardest working and quickest people i've ever met in my life um so he wrote a piece uh, actually a really lovely piece for viola and cello Mm -hmm. um which was very high-minded really complex or not complex but really solid structurally Mm -hmm. and almost completely unplayable Okay. Um, so, <laughs> where where our real sort and how of how long was that? Res- how far away was that recital? It was. It, I think we we had some time. Oh, good. We had some time. But what was really cool about that, um, and where we really found that we worked well together, mm-hmm. um, is instead of being like, I can't do this. It's unplayable. Blah blah blah. Go do whatever. Um, I sort of figured out what the structure of the piece was and was like, okay, I really want. I, I understand what you're doing. I understand why these notes are so far apart Mm -hmm. here are three or four different choices that i've come up with of ways that we could fix this and we found that we had a really great um sort of working relationship okay so you were heavily involved in the creative process or the the creative process yeah editing yeah yeah and we we always talk about what's a weird thing with music almost every other form of writing there is an editor right if you're writing a book if you're writing a novel you're going to send your score to uh, score you're going to send your manuscript (laughs) to someone and they'll sort of fix it and 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 make it make sense and in um, composition that role often doesn't exist, mm-hmm. um, and you're not born knowing, you know, where the break of clarinet of a clarinet is, and yeah. you know how high the viola can stretch between intervals and stuff like that. So you really do, as a composer, need to find your performer people that right. can sort of teach you how to do this stuff. So um, we started working together way back then, and we really haven't looked back. It's great, and I mean, just to talk about Nico a little bit more. I mean, you mentioned his prolific output he's he's written a lot already i mean even an opera right one or two operas he's written two operas wow. and he has and he's 33 34 right he's i think he's 35 okay but still that's 
mind-blowing. Yep. <laughs> and he, he was the youngest ever uh, Metropolitan Opera commissionee, and yeah. he's the youngest ever dual commissionee. They're actually commissioning a new opera for okay. him uh, based on the novel that the Hitchcock film Marnie was based on. Awesome. Um, so oh, it's going to be... That. Yeah, awesome. totally. I think that's cool. in like 20 or something. I don't cool. really know. So let's talk about the piece then, this viola concerto. The structure, there's three movements. The first two are ataka, meaning they just flow together seamlessly. Yeah. And you mentioned the structure of this first piece you wrote for you. Is there anything in particular about this piece that really s- strikes you as fascinating? Yes. In, in terms of the the, the, the performance pro- process. Yeah. So what's interesting about um, the viola as a solo, it didn't really emerge as a solo instrument until basically the beginning of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. We always talk about 1919 was a really big year in viola. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know this. Why is that? Oh, because we have a, a, a Rebecca Clark sonata, a Bloch sonata, okay. a Hindemith, important Hindemith sonata, just like all this stuff was happening in 1919. Okay. Um, and we only really have a handful of concerti that get performed a right. lot. Um, so when Nico and I have been daydreaming about a concerto for a really long time, but when we were talking about it, we were like, well, you know, he kind of has an opportunity here to write a piece that might have some legs and might might live on for a while yeah. um, because we do look for repertoire. So we decided to go with, and he decided to go with a really classical format, a you know three-movement concerto, fast, slow, fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the third movement is even in a triple meter, which is like right. super, you know, Hoffmeister viola concerto or whatever, <laughs> um, which is really cool. But that having been said, it's based on a couple of different ideas um, that a lot of things sort of harken back to different periods of time in our kind of growing up. So um, Nico has always been obsessed with this one chordal formation uh, based on two descending fifths that are sel- that are separated by a half step. So okay. yep. has always been Nico's big the Nico chord, okay. you know, even ever since college, if he, okay. if he found a Celeste or a vibraphone in the hallway, he would just play that on it. <laughs> Um, so the whole piece is really built around that chord. Mm-hmm. And then the second movement is built around this big descending, yada bomb, which mm-hmm. happens really exposed and crazy in the tuba, by the way, in a very, very difficult thing. Yeah, it's a thing. beautiful moment, too. Very beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And that just keeps on happening. Um, and then there's also the, the other big sort of, uh, I think, striking thing in this piece um, is this sort of scratchy glissando Mm -hmm. that he has me do a few times, Mm -hmm. um, which we found together when we were in Iceland in 2006, which we we just called it the ice gliss. Nice. Okay. This weird kind of overpressure glissando, which kind of sounds like a record scratch. It's it's featured prominently in the cadenza, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's a really cool effect. Yeah. It's a very cool effect and it has me losing a lot of bow hair, but it's I noticed you. Cool. Well, I, I mean, it's a great piece, and uh, if our audience has any chance to look it up or see future, there's more performances of this coming up, right? Uh, yeah, the next is in seventeen. Okay, um, great. And but I'm actually going to be releasing it on an album ah. uh, as recorded with the Detroit Symphony, and that'll be uh, hopefully if everything goes according to plan um, this coming fall. Okay, great. So our listeners can obviously hear this in the near future, which is great. It's a fantastic piece. I want to talk more about some other things too. So. Um, Nadia is a founding member of the Y Music Ensemble. If you haven't heard of them, there's this amazing sextet, right? Mm-hmm. Sextet group out of New York City, working with all types of composers, um, not just composers that we would associate as classical composers, but people, and I hate this word, but crossover, right? There's yeah, this, there's, crossover. You work with people. Crossover is a rough word, right? I know. I don't like it. But um, we, we like to say that we exist in kind of two realms at the same time. One mm-hmm. is as a contemporary chamber music ensemble. Okay. And because uh, we actually formed 
because we like each other and respect each other and not really thinking about instrumentation all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a result, we have a string trio, a flute, a clarinet, and a trumpet. It's awesome. <laughs> which is kind yeah, of great. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, but as a, there's not a, there's not an existing body of repertoire for that group. So everything that we play, we have to commission. Um, so we exist in as a sort of contemporary chamber music group. Mm-hmm. And then um, we like to call ourselves a ready-made collaborative unit for bands and songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can take a bunch of different forms. And actually what's really exciting about that is almost every artist that we've worked with has a different kind of way of working. To a certain extent, when you work with a composer who's like a capital C composer, mm-hmm. um, they write a piece and they write it all out and then they give you the notes and then you look at them and you learn them and maybe you make a couple of adjustments, right. but mostly it's just a it's a pretty straightforward process. When we're working with songwriters and bands, um, that process can, sometimes it's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just very straightforward. Sometimes we get a whole bunch of like random audio files <laughs> and it's like, try to figure out something that'll work with this. Sometimes okay. we're um, writing the song with them. Sometimes they've written us a chord chart. Sometimes they're, um, wow. sometimes they just ask us to improvise. And so what's really cool for me coming from a very, very classical background is that it's pushed me to think about music in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, And I think that one of the advantages, not advantages, one of the real, like, lovely features of this group is that all six of us are willing to um, step out of our comfort zone and try to make music with these brilliant musicians in the way that they like to make music. Mm -hmm. Um, I think oftentimes, and I've been guilty of this too, you know, you'll get a part, and if somebody writes a low B underneath the viola's r- range, you're like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> um, and it's too bad because when the second you shut down that way, you prevent a lot of really interesting music from, from being created. Because, mm-hmm. again, this body of knowledge, like, obviously it's great to get smarter and better and, and know more stuff. But there, you can be a wonderful musician who doesn't really know the range of a viola. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that that's going to make for bad music. So what Why Music tries to do is um, make music on an extraordinarily high level um, sort of despite or, or as a result of all of these different circumstances. Okay, cool. And you've worked with some amazing people. Um, the latest that I know of that's really popular on, I've been listening on CBC Radio a lot, is it comes on all the time. It's this latest song with Ben Folds. Did, were you guys part of that creative process with him? Yeah, very much so. Wow. Um, I mean, th- to listen to it, it's hard. Which song was that? Uh, Phone in a Pool or the Capable of Anything? I think it's Capable of Anything. Yeah. Um, There's this bridge section that just kind of goes crazy towards the end, right? Yeah, that would be capable. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. unbelievably. I was listening. I was like, and then when I heard it was why ensemble, why music ensemble, I was like, oh my god, they're actually playing this. This is not, this is not MIDI. This is not. This is real musicians playing this music. Yeah, that that was a cool project. Um, <clears throat> a mutual friend of Ben's and the band's mm-hmm. and why music's. Um, uh, gave Ben our CD just prior to its release, mm. and he was like, "These guys are awesome." He, he, you know, I mean, that's the CD that has music by Nico Muley, by Andrew Norman, yeah. by Marcos Balter. It's not like a, it's not like a light fare in any way CD. Mm. Um, and Ben really loved the sound of the group and said, "I want to do something with them." Uh, and so we got in a room, and um, a lot of the songwriting was collaborative That's amazing. Um, with Ben and the group. All of the arrangements were done like between a, a combination of Ben and Rob and CJ, who are mm-hmm. in the group. And um, it was just it was a it was a kind of a different type of experiment than mm-hmm. than what we've done before. Um, and we've been touring it, and it's really That's fun. Amazing. It's sort of terrifying <laughs> when we tour with Ben because he uh, has this thing called uh, Rock This Bitch. Which okay. is a situation, or I should say, rock this B word. I don't know <laughs> how um, 
how appropriate bitch is for radio anyway, <laughs> um, or podcasting. It's hard to know. Anyway, so uh, but basically whenever anyone in the audience calls that out as a mm. request, <clears throat> he has to make up a song on the spot. No way. Um, and are you guys part of making up the song? Well, this is the thing. Like he's <laughs> he's not interested in in us sort of backing off or whatever. Right. So it's a lot of just um, on the spot improvisation in front of thousands of people. Um, and again, coming from a classical background, yeah. that's a little bit heart heart palpitatingly terrifying. Yeah. Um, but I do it now, and it's great, and it's fun, and it's been stretching all that's of us. That's amazing. And it's I want to see a cool. show. That's freaking awesome. You should come to a show. We're actually we're on tour. I think we're doing a couple of dates in Canada. I yeah. literally don't know where. Okay, but I'll look this it up. Summer. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, the complexity of that is is one thing to be able to play hard music off a score, but then to be able to sell a piece of music that you're making up on the spot just for our listeners, that's that's a whole other different type of music making. Again, and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I find that um, the the coolest thing about working with art with non-classical artists has been how much it pushes me yeah. and how hard it is. I think sometimes classical musicians get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder that what they do is somehow harder than what other people do. And I mean, I think that has to do with the, I mean, there's incredible pedagogy going into playing the violin mm-hmm. or the clarinet or whatever, Absolutely. and it's certainly hard, but there's all kinds of music making on a very high level yep. all over the place. I'm so glad to hear you say that actually. And that's something that um, intrigues me a lot as well. This, this breaking down of the barriers, we're all musicians, we're all doing something. You know, if somebody learned by ear, it doesn't mean that they're not a freaking amazing musician. And and to hear you say that, and the, with the diverse career you have, it's it's an awesome it's awesome to witness it, you know. Because I remember when I first got to school, and it was, you know, it's really hard, really focus on what you're doing. You got to be able to do your excerpts, play the sonata, blah 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 blah. But being interested in other things was not allowed sometimes, and that bothered me a lot. Not to not to not to say Juilliard did that, but that we felt that way because the curriculum needed to graduate and to succeed at that school, but. Right. Hearing what you're doing is just, it sounds amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so the, I'm just curious to, to elaborate a little more on why music ensemble. You, you mentioned the um, the two aspects you, you fulfill this contemporary music ensemble, also collaborative unit that works with different types of artists. Who else have you worked with? Uh, we've done a, we've done a lot at this point. We've worked a lot with Shara Warden okay. um, and with Gabriel Kahane. Um, we uh, have... It's so funny because the thing is that as individuals, we've also worked with a lot of artists. So it's, I'm just trying to remember okay. who we worked with as a whatever all together. Uh, Annie Clark, St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben Folds. We're about to go on tour like in a week and a half with Jose Gonzalez. Okay. Who is a beautiful sort of folky Swedish singer, songwriter. Nice. Um, even though his name is Jose Gonzalez. <laughs> uh, um, who else have we worked with? Uh, both Rob and CJ have been members of the band Bonnie Vare. Um and so no. yeah, cool. so so which is very cool when you think yeah. about their lives in you know really straddling that. And we've worked a bunch, uh, we've worked a bit with Justin as a group. Okay, um, very cool. Definitely worked a lot with the National. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a funny little world. So you know Bryce Desner very well. We had the fortune of having him interviewed on our on this Snacko cast recently for one of our previous Wolf Games where we did a string quartet. Oh, very cool. Yeah, very interesting, awesome piece. Yeah, he actually yeah. wrote um, a solo viola piece I've been playing a bunch ah, lately. Cool. Called Delphica. Okay. Is, is that fun. recorded yet? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. We'll, we'll keep our ears <laughs> up for that too. Um, what's in the near future for you or long term? Any exciting projects coming up? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am currently sort of working on finishing up two records. Okay. Um, which I think both might come out in the fall, but you never know with that stuff. 
Uh, one is going to feature this recording of um, Nico's Concerto. Okay. And actually, it's going to be an entire record full of acoustic music for viola by Nico. Nice. Um, so one of the first things we worked on together in 2005 was a piece called Keep in Touch, uh, okay. which was for viola and electronics. Um, and another group that I'm in uh, is a sort of Sinfonietta-style chamber orchestra called Alarm Will Sound, yeah. which is okay. a new music chamber orchestra. And one of the things they sort of made their name for about 10 years ago was these acoustic reimaginings of uh, music by Aphex Twin, okay, Richard D. James, which is this sort of wonderful electronica. And they completely acoustified the whole thing um, okay. and transcribed wow. it in a really ingenious way. So I figured a very cool thing to do, you know, 10 plus years since Nico wrote Keep in Touch would be to have a Larmal sound to do that treatment to the electronic part of that. Ah, okay. So we kind of created a, a sort of quasi short concerto out of uh, wow. Keep in Touch. It's now like a 14 minute um, viola heavy piece for viola and sinfonietta. Very cool. Um, so we okay. just recorded that. We're going to pair that with the Detroit um, Nico Concerto recording. And then also um, Nico and I have been working constantly on this set of viola etudes um, for a very long time. So okay. the latest of those will be an acoustic <laughs> etude. Awesome. Great. So that's that little record. Um, and then the other the other record that's coming out, I'm very, very, very excited about. Uh, it's a work by the Irish composer Donica Dennehy, who's fantastic. You were telling me about this last night. Yeah, yeah. and it is a piece called Tessalatum. Mm -hmm. It uh, was recorded by me and the viola da gamba player Liam Byrne. And mm -hmm. it's actually written for four violas and 11 viola da gambas. Okay. It's a 40-minute long piece, and it sort of um, takes a little bit of this idea of vile consort music um, in this kind of dark beautiful very heavily layered place and then every every so often it sort of um torques itself into just intonation mm. chords so it goes basically from harmony to timbre in the mm -hmm. blink of an eye in this way that's so stunning and that's one very cool thing I really want to hear this the other very cool thing yeah. is that um we used all bass vials so the tessitura okay. of the bass vial is much lower than the viola right but the timbre of a bass viol is extraordinarily bright. Really? Okay. So the highest instruments, which are the violas, are the darkest, and the lowest mm -hmm. are the brightest, and it's this crazy, crazy timbral sound that I can—I literally cannot get enough of. So the entire the entire piece was recorded by just the two of you? Yes. Okay, and for the, the vials, they you only use the bass ones? We only use bass vials. Okay. And actually, to, to get the just intonation, to get the 7th and the 11th and the 13th partials, we had to add frets and split frets <laughs> on this instrument, which was totally fascinating. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, exciting career. You're fabulous and a, and a real treat to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to know more about Nadia's work, you can check out her website, NadiaSarota.com. Correct. As well as WhyMusicEnsemble.com to see what they're up to, which is always... Always a lot by the looks of it. <laughs> so thanks again. Thank Great you for having here. me. Thanks.
This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.